You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. Electronic car company Tesla announced a massive recall last week that impacts over 2 million cars. The issue involves part of the vehicle's autopilot function. The recall notice says that, quote, the auto steer features controls may not be sufficient to prevent driver misuse. You might have heard of some examples of that misuse. Tesla is currently facing multiple lawsuits over crashes linked to the vehicle's auto steer technology. Some of those crashes were fatal. This comes at a time when other aspects of EV maintenance are under scrutiny. Reuters reports that the EV industry is suffering a global technician shortage that could mean long wait times and higher costs for repairs. So what exactly is the problem with this Tesla autopilot technology, and how are EV owners navigating the repair backlog? Carl Medlock is the owner of Medlock & Sons in West Seattle. It's one of the only independent Tesla repair shops in the country, which means it's not owned or certified by Tesla. He's also one of a handful of people in the world that repairs Tesla's original car, the Roadster. Hi, Carl. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, this recall is not a traditional recall. It's just a software update, which can be done remotely. But what does this mean for Tesla owners? What are you telling people? Uh, We had a couple of people ask about it. And it really is um, basically what it's 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 requiring people to pay more attention to the road, uh, having their hands on the steering wheel and those kinds of things. Some people are getting way too comfortable with self-driving and uh, assisted driving. And they are just not not paying attention at all. They're sleeping at the wheel. That scares the hell out of me. Now, what does it mean that it's going to require more attention updates? Like, it, is there a function in the wheel that can tell if you have your hands on it? They do have some uh, sensors in the steering wheel. It lets you know that you're on, the, you're touching the steering wheel. And they have a camera. There's a camera in the uh, rearview mirror that also shows whether you're looking. I'm not sure exactly. The, I have a car here waiting for up, the update. I know exactly what it does now, but I'm waiting to see what the update does. So what I'm, I'm assuming that they've just made it so the camera, if people are sleeping at the wheel, then, then that's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Like if your eyes are closed, it's going to be able to hopefully tell <laughs> if it's an extended blink or if it's asleep. You know, I understand the technology and I work on the technology, which is part of the problem. I think the technology is great. I think it's going to become a little bit more mainstream. But as somebody who works on the stuff who only sees the broken parts of it, it scares the heck out of me. I mean, because I don't I don't get to see the cars that are in great shape that come in here. Well, the ones that come in here are broken. So that's uh, it's a little different point of view when you're working on this stuff and trust and then trying to trust it. So the recall doesn't change the ability of drivers to engage autopilot on surface roads with cross traffic, which is a way that we've seen a lot of these accidents happen. Right. You mentioned people take their attention off the road. Maybe they're even sleeping or doing other things. Um, and you have, for example, emergency vehicles that were in the road that the autopilot doesn't pick up on, or we've seen the Teslas on autopilot going off the end of a of a T crossing on you know local roads, surface streets, um, and plowing into other vehicles. Some some scary stuff. You know, critics are saying like, why are we even letting drivers use this technology at all outside of controlled access? freeway driving. What do you think about that? I mean, do you think that there is a time and a place for autopilot? And where would that be? Where I use autopilot is on the highway. You know, if I'm headed to Port Angeles or Squam or someplace like that, I'll use autopilot, um, especially if I'm trying to have a phone call or something like that. But I don't I don't uh, I don't use it in the city streets because there's so many uh, ever since COVID it seems people seem to be a little more aggressive on the road, cutting people off, no turn signals. And, you know, I trust that technology. But, you know, how quick can it react? I know it, it responds very quickly, but I still have that caution in my mind of I'm not going to use it in the city. 
a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I, um, I'm just, I, I err, err on the side of caution. Yeah. And you're somebody who, you know, knows these cars intimately inside and out. And so I think that that speaks volumes. This recall is just a software update like we've been talking about. But there is a broader issue with Tesla's when it comes to physically bringing them into shops. And GeekWire has reported on this recently about the wait times for Tesla repairs that need that physical maintenance. Owners are frustrated by this. One Tesla owner said that what looked to be a superficial fix cost $14,000 in repairs, nearly $2,000 in car rental fees because they had to have another vehicle in the meantime. And it took half a year to get the repairs done. What are you seeing in terms of the wait times for maintenance that your customers are having to endure? It really depends on what we're doing, but we're, we're booked out a year to two years, depending on what we're doing. Full restorations are two years. Some of the work, the easy stuff like maintenance and light repairs, that stuff we're booked out two, three, six months to a year. It really depends on what we're doing. But for the most part, we're booked solid for the next year. Wow. But at Tesla, they're experiencing the same thing. And, you know, and a lot of people want to be super critical about Tesla and all of this. But if it wasn't for Tesla, there wouldn't be any electric cars because I worked at car dealerships. And, you know, when 30 to 50 percent of the income of a dealership comes out of the service department and EVs, they have 4,000 less parts in them than a, than a regular gas engine vehicle or a diesel. There are fewer things to fix. So that, that means there's less money coming in the door. So dealers have not been uh, very excited about electric cars. And you see Ford scaling back right now. And it's not because electric cars are bad. It's because the dealerships... You know, they're self-independent repair. Um, some of the local dealerships uh, don't have the technician, trained technicians. We actually do work for two dealerships here because they don't have anybody trained to have for their electric cars. What I'm getting at is even though people don't like Tesla, Tesla may be behind on their scheduling and they're, they're part of us, the growing pains, right? They're growing so fast. It's incredibly difficult to pr- project what's going to break and when until it starts breaking. Hmm. So they really can't project who they need, what competency level they need, whether it needs to be an electronic guy or just a parts replacing type person. So that people really are critical about Tesla and the scheduling business. But the reality is the other manufacturers don't even want the electric cars. Uh, the manufacturers do because they find it a revenue stream, but the dealerships don't want it. That's what people are experiencing um, that I've seen already. And I was at dealerships when, you know, the uh, RAV4 EV came out and that thing got pushed along the wayside. You know, all the manufacturers claim that they're committed to electric cars. But the reality is they're they're doing it such small uh, increments you know, that, that like, I'll give you a couple of examples. Yeah. All electric cars have some sort of failure. They all fail in some certain way and they all have, it's typical with any manufacturer and any car, gas or gas or electric, but the Fiat 500Es are blowing up the inverter. It, it quits. And that part from Fiat is $9,700. Well, the cars are worth about seven to $8,000. So it totals up all the cars. Wow. So if you go on to IAAI or Copart, you will find, and you search electric vehicle, you have to do all their little filters. Um, you search electric vehicle, then you search down to mechanical damage. Um, you're finding we're finding hundreds and hundreds of these uh, electric vehicles are going to scrap and going to salvage pools for repairs. We buy some of them we, and we, for parts, and some of them we buy to fix and drive. But uh, you know, it's not really saving the planet if you're scrapping the cars every eight years. The other thing that we're seeing is a lot of these electric cars are needing brand new batteries every eight years. And for example. The Toyota RAV4, the 14, 15, 16 RAV4s, those cars, that battery is $40,000. And the the Fiat battery is $25,000. The Mercedes smart car EV, that's a $30,000 battery. Those cars are worth five dollars and $6,000. So they're automatically being totaled and um, totaled out and scrapped. And there is 
you know, what did we really save if we're scrapping all these cars every eight years or whenever these batteries fail? Yeah. And the batteries, as you say, are extremely expensive. And there's also uh, materials that have to be recycled properly. Um, Carl, you know, there's a lot of questions I have about what you're talking about here. One is, you know, key to this, you mentioned that there are fewer parts in an electric car that can fail. I mean, I've always thought that electric vehicles are supposed to require less maintenance over their life than old-fashioned internal combustion engines because of that. Um, Is that true? I mean, it sounds like over time there are fewer repairs, but when electric cars do need to be repaired, they're extremely pricey fixes. That's 100% true. I don't know who did this back in when I worked at Tesla. Um, I don't know who did these calculations of these numbers, but there was was somebody said at Tesla that they compared a, a 2012 Model S to a 2012 Mercedes S500. And they said there were 4,000 less parts, you know, give or take, obviously somebody's guessing here, but 4,000 less parts because there's no valves, pistons, springs, transmission clutches, or any of the valve bodies or any of that stuff. All those things in a, in a gas engine vehicle are not in an electric car. So over time, the cars are incredibly, uh, they're a lot cheaper to own, less expensive to own before they have a major catastrophic failure. So if I were to buy an electric car today, I'd buy the biggest warranty I could buy. That's what, that would be my recommendation. Hmm. And why are these big repairs on the EVs so expensive? Does it have to do with the lithium and the batteries and these other precious metals? Is it because there's not enough part supply or trained personnel being provided by the manufacturers? I mean, what's going on? Well, that's a good. That's a really good question, and I'm digging into that right now. I don't have I don't have the exact answer, but greed, I would say, one of it is they're marking these things up like crazy. And I, I and the other thing is manufacturers want you to buy new cars. You know, there's not that much margin in a new battery pack, so unless they're gouging people, my guess is they're trying to push these things all into scrapyards. So you go out and buy a brand new Toyota. You know, if you had an eight year old Toyota Corolla, uh, you know, and average miles or whatever, it's got a hundred thousand miles on. You might go into a dealership and spend five or Six hundred bucks or a thousand dollars, maybe on the extreme, to get all the service up to date. But you know, an eight-year electric car, you might spend fifteen thousand dollars on a battery. You have to you have to plan for that. What we're seeing right now is the twenty twelve and twenty thirteen Model S. A lot of the battery modules are failing, um, and we have about two hundred and fifty plus appointments for bad batteries um, in Model S's. Um, we're just one little shop in Seattle. You're one of two independent Tesla repair shops in the country, like we mentioned. The only other option, you know, is to go directly to the Tesla dealership for repairs. Why are there so few repair shops, Carl? What's going on with that? Part of it is competency, right? I mean, um, working on electric cars, this is a completely different animal. You know, you have high voltage components. You know, we have a full time um, electrical engineer that works works with us just to um, assist in some of the diagnosis. I mean, because a regular technician pulls off the cap that, you know, the cover off one of these modules and they're looking at a bunch of parts they don't even recognize. So we hired an electrical engineer to help us with that stuff. You know, I know, I know the stuff. My sons know it pretty well, but we still need help once in a while. And that's, that's the problem is, is first off, it costs a a fortune to buy all the tools you need to be a technician. You know, I have probably close to $200,000 worth of tools over a period of time. You know, just to do the job, you need about thirty or forty thousand dollars worth of tools, and that's a that's a that's a master's degree or not a master's degree, but that could be a bachelor's degree somewhere um, for somebody. And you know, so it's cheaper to go to school than it is to be a technician. So that's that's one aspect. The second thing is it's hot, cold, wet, dry, snowy. That's what working on cars means. Not everybody wants to do that today. There's there's a shortage of technicians. There has been a shortage of technicians since I started. Um, uh, I could go to a dealership. 
uh, today. We could get on the phone right now. You can pick up the phone. You call any dealership and I'll have a job on the phone without these people ever hearing about me. I could have a job on the phone in 10 minutes. Any, any, and pretty much anybody, any competent technician could do that. There's a massive shortage of technicians. It's hard to do this job. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your knees. It's hard on your, your hands. It's uh, very technical. You make a mistake. You don't get paid. Um, there are a lot of other things to do besides work on cars. And that's, you know, so what they're trying to do is make these cars so they're all parts replacement. But you still have to have that person to tell you what part to replace. Mm-hmm. You know, these scanners and code readers, you know, they may uh, they may tell you where to start, but they don't give you the answer. So I'm hearing you say it's a tough job, but there's also just a huge demand. I mean, would you recommend that people look into getting trained if they're if they're looking for a good career, a young person? Would you recommend they look into getting trained as an EV technician? Let me say this as nicely as possible. Hell no. <laughs> Whoa. That's a that's a really simple and straightforward answer. Why, Carl? Why? I would not recommend any uh, person get into the automotive uh, repair industry. I mean, if it's your passion and your dream and you love it, like being a school teacher, and you don't worry about getting paid. Absolutely. But dealerships, the way they do pay plans, it's very difficult to get paid. There's people making hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but those are specialists, you know, like me. Um, they're not the beginning guy. The beginning guy are making, you know, 15 to $25 an hour. And you can't run any, even rent an apartment in Seattle for that amount, that amount. You're five or six or seven years into this job before you start making enough money to even rent an apartment in, in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a market like this. Well, we've been covering a lot of stuff. I mean, from the autopilot to the global repair uh, shortage with Teslas and EVs in general. Um, you know, before we go here, Carl, I know that there's going to be more EVs on the road. I mean, Governor Inslee wants Washington uh, state to have all new cars sold in the state be emission free by 2035. Um, that's going to mean a lot more Rivians, Teslas, whatever else, Ford, um, you know, EVs uh, out there. Do you think that there is any end in sight to this repair shortage or is this just going to get worse? I think it's going to get worse. Um, I think it's going to get worse. And I don't think I don't think that Ainsley's mandate is going to stick um, because there are so many people out there that like me, I need it. I need a vehicle, a pickup. Uh, we use a truck here every day. And, you know, I don't have the luxury of stopping and charging for an hour. I, I just need to go. So I, I think uh, there, there needs to be a mix, a blend of. Uh, you be, people should be able to choose what they want to buy. There's a lot of EV advocates. I like EVs. I drive them. Um, I don't use them all the time, but I'd like to have an option. I don't think forcing people to to do that is is really a smart move. And I'm an, I'm the EV guy, right? I'm the guy. I'm the EV shop, a dedicated EV shop in Seattle. And I, you're going to overwhelm shops. There are not enough people trained. They've got the car before the horse. They, nobody has mandated or forced manufacturers to have parts available for a reasonable price. Um, and so if you've got an eight-year-old EV and you and somebody tells you it's $9,700 to for just for the piece plus programming and installation for your car, it's going to walk away and you're going to have a bad taste in your mouth. It's a, it's a whole, we could talk for hours about this topic, but the uh, the reality is, um, you know, EVs have their place. I just don't think they have, the, I don't think they need to be 100% EV. I don't really, I, I completely disagree with that. Carl Medlock is the owner of Medlock and Sons, an auto repair shop based in Seattle, one of only two independent Tesla repair shops in the entire country. Carl, thanks very much for being here. Thank you. Have a great day.
And we want to hear your experience with everything I talked to Carl about today. If you're a Tesla owner, do you use auto steer? When does it work for you? And have you noticed big changes with the software update? And if you're an owner of any EV, what's it been like getting repairs? Is it especially pricey or do you run into long wait times? Leave us a voicemail with your experience at 206-221-3213. And before we go today, let's hear from you. Electronic car maker Tesla announced last week it would push a software update to 2 million cars to try to make its auto steer function safer. This comes after a federal investigation into whether the cars adequately made sure that drivers were awake and paying attention while their cars were in motion. We talked to the owner of an independent Tesla repair shop in West Seattle about this. Carl Medlock also discussed the long backup his shop is seeing for repairing EVs. Reuters has reported on a global shortage of trained technicians for the cars. And Carl is seeing the same. We're booked out a year to two years, depending on what we're doing. So we asked for your experiences. Alex from Redmond called the voicemail line to say he's running into the backup now. I have a Tesla Model 3, and I just had a rear bumper accident, and I was shocked to find out that estimates are as far out into March with maybe getting it fixed by April. And this was just earlier this month that I started calling around the uh, certified Tesla collision centers So that was eye-opening to me. That's Alex from Redmond. Wow, four or five months, it sounds like, to get that repair on his Tesla. Uh, But Mark from Clinton also called and said he isn't deterred. I'm a Tesla driver for four years. I have only good things to say. So Mark's not having that experience. David from Seattle called in to say he disagrees with Carl about Washington State's new state mandate. Again, Carl Medlock is the independent repair shop owner that we spoke to in West Seattle. Carl said he didn't really agree with the blanket mandate to have vehicles be emission-free, new vehicles sold in Washington State by 2035. Um, And here's David. Well, you have to consider the dangers of climate change versus the difficulties of repairing cars. And I think he's got a very very unbalanced view of which one is more important. It's clear to me that climate change takes great precedence over repairing cars, which eventually will be a problem that we can solve pretty quickly once we know that we're going entirely to electric cars. So yes, this is a transition period and it is difficult. And I understand a lot of people aren't ready for electric cars. But by 2030, we really need to be completely transitioned to electricity in order to keep the planet from warming uh, excessively. Thank you, David, for your call. And David's also an EV owner. He did decide to go with something other than the Tesla, though. And I have never had to do a single repair on it. I've never had to take it into a service station I probably will take it into a service station now just to get a regular maintenance checkup. Otherwise, the car operates perfectly. No problems whatsoever. I plug in at home. I'm completely happy with the 70 to 80 miles it can get since I only use it for commuting. And my wife has a uh, Prius hybrid that we can use for longer trips. The suspense there is that David loves his Nissan Leaf. 
And let me tell you, our voicemail line is 206-221-3213. Again, 206-221-3213 if you want to leave a voicemail on this topic. Again, we're talking about autopilot and the uh, automatic update that Tesla is pushing out to 2 million cars to try to make that safer, make sure people are keeping their hands on the steering wheel and not falling asleep or not paying attention while they're driving, but also this big backup that EV drivers are running into when they're getting their cars repaired. Um, Nissan Leaf owners were really passionate on our voicemail line. Jamie from Muckleteo also called with her perspective. I'm a proud owner of a Nissan Leaf since 2015, and it has needed zero maintenance, only new tires. There's no oil changes, haven't had any problems. Um, Eventually, yes, I will probably need to replace the battery, but I think your story was mainly about how Teslas suck. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Bye-bye. Sorry, bye-bye. Thanks, Jamie from Muckleteo and everybody else who called in today. Thanks for listening to Soundside. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org.